Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. This is the Rad Reality Show Network. It's October 27, 2016. I'm Cherry Garcia, and I'm so glad you could join us tonight for... Mike and the Mike with our host, Mike Albright, who happens to be the number one Survivor fan ever. He's currently met 447 Survivor alumni in person, and he's still working on meeting more. Tonight, he's got an incredible special guest from Survivor Co-Wrong. Neil Gottlieb will join Mike to recap Survivor Millennials versus Gen X, and this episode is titled, The Truth Works Well. Of course, we'll catch up with Neil on what he's been up to since his season as well. Um, as always, fans can call in if they have a question or comment. Just dial one three four seven two three seven five five zero six. And once you're on our switchboard, we do ask that you remember to press the number one key on your phone. That lets us know that once you're on our switchboard, you are ready to join us on air, and you're not just listening to our show from your uh, from the switchboard. Now it's time to bring up our host and get this party started. So without further ado, let's bring him up and get this party started. Um, here we go, folks. They have volunteered to be marooned for 39 days. This is their story. This is Survivor.
super fan, Mike. Mike, you're up. Hi, Mike. How did you enjoy last night's episode? I'm good. It was an exciting episode. A lot of a couple interesting things. We uh, well, something I don't ever really recall seeing. Um, a sit out almost getting medevac, which was a very interesting thing. Just another good episode. More drama with everybody, and I uh, I liked it a lot. And I watched it twice. I've got five pages of notes. Usually I have like six pages, so I'm not sure exactly if the kind of the challenges went a little long. But uh, I'm uh. It's a, it was a good episode, and I uh, I was especially happy with the ending. But we'll definitely not put the cart before the horse. But I was I couldn't I was it was down to somebody we really like on this show, and somebody that's not been my favorite on the show, and then the perfect thing happened. So I was really glad at the end. So <laughs> how did you like the episode, Sherry? I thought it was really great. Um, some really interesting things happened, and. Uh, very interesting episode. Um, turned out very well. So, yeah, it was a good one. Awesome, yeah. I can't wait to discuss it. And I, I'm especially excited because we should have our first co-wrong person. I've been talking to a lot of people for a while, and I think we've got our first person from the season. So, we'll, you know, it's nice to have another new person from the new season. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to get Neil in here, so. Let's bring him up. From Survivor Korong, we have Neil Gottlieb on, on the air with us. Hi, Neil. Hey, how are you guys? We're we're doing well, man. And like I said, you're the first one to grace us from your season. I've been talking to people, but they're overseas and other continents, or they don't no, say they not. sound good on, no, on the air like Ty, so welcome. Thank you. Um I guess I got lured on by, uh, you know, not only Big Mike, but by a host that's named after an ice cream flavor. How could I resist, even if it Perfect. is from the competition? <laughs> and ice cream's good. Hey, I went around, like, three uh, Whole Foods in the Cincinnati area just to try your, the ice cream earlier this uh, spring, and it was it was delicious. I just wish we had more variety. So when I'm out, out on the coast next time, I'll try to get a few different flavors. But I, I think I had the chocolate malt in – it was the first ice cream I'd had in four months, and I devoured it way quicker than I should have. So, oh, wow. I was actually but, uh, in Cincinnati last week, but only for like five hours. So I'll have to oh. catch time. Well, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the uh, our city. I'm about I'm about 45 minutes uh, north of there. But um, I guess usually, Neil, we did, the first thing we do before we even recap is um, – how have you been since your season aired? And what's it been like uh, one season removed, you know, watching these people go through it? I bet there's pros and cons to, you know, not being on the current season. But uh, what's it like watching a season after yours as aired? It's great. You know, I, I was a, a pretty big fan before I got on the show. And it's, it's different now. It's different, you know, watching the screen, imagining being in the box, imagining all the cameras being there, mm-hmm. thinking about, sitting on boats in, in quiet time and timeouts, going to the challenges and roasting in the hot green tents. Um, <laughs> you know, it's different. So you have all that exposition, but it's, it's so fun. It's more fun than ever, I think, to, to watch the show. Because now, you know, now when you're watching it and thinking, man, those people are idiots. Like, you can, you can really <laughs> believe that. And you're probably picking up, you're very perceptive of probably how the episode is going to go now that you've lived through 
see in the episodes versus what you go, you remembered on the island versus what was aired on TV, you know, taking those 72 hours and truncating that down to 42 minutes. So I guess that's just interesting. So have you been able to kind of guess what's been happening as it's happened from just, you know, being a fan of being a fan to start with, but then going through this just last season. So I didn't know. Well, I mean, I think I showed on my own season when I told Michelle I didn't think she stood a chance. There were only three people left. I had no idea what was going on in that season, yeah. apparently, and I was <laughs> there for it. So I don't know that I'm the best person to predict what's what's going to go down. I mean, I was definitely thinking last night, hey, you know, are are we – sorry, do you say what happened last night? Is it a full recap? Oh, yeah, it's a full recap. I just didn't, like, put it out there yet, but we can definitely talk about what's happened. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. I just didn't let the cat out of the bag, but you can for sure. Well, I wouldn't say who went home, but, you know, one of the people that didn't go home uh, was Adam, who, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he had a pretty quiet episode that night. So when you see that, you know, they're not building up his character. They're not talking about his showmance or or lack thereof. He's not going home, and that, that made me happy because, He's one of the people I'd like to see stick around for a long, long time. I would agree with that. From uh, from the pre-show stuff, did you have any favorites or people you didn't like, and how has that changed, you know, this far into the season? Is, I, uh, is it the same so or different? Busy. I've been so busy um, with work and fun that the only pre-show stuff that I did was I looked at the CBS website. Okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't listen to any of the podcasts. I didn't hear what Corinne had to say. Um, I didn't read any of the <laughs> blogs. So um, I'm kind of coming at it from the, the casual fan perspective. Okay. So you were just kind of wide open. You just you didn't really have any opinions going into it, but now that you've seen it, you've mentioned you like Adam. Are there other folks you like? Are there people you maybe don't really think you'd connect with well if you were with them on the in the game? And then just some people that are just kind of in the middle? Or where, where do the people fit besides Adam? Well, I guess the, the other little bit of, um, of prep that I have, I guess you could say, is that Jay was an alternate on our season. Um, oh, okay. I don't know how many people realize that. So he actually, he was in casting with me, so we were down in L.A. for six days together, um, you know, making uh, googly eyes at each other. And then <laughs> we were in the tent next to each other in um, pregame. So he came to Cambodia with us. He was there for a week. Oh, wow. But, okay. Yeah, and my mind was blown when we took our cast photo and he wasn't in it, you know, you, you kind of knew, I had an idea that there would be t- two alternates, um, mm-hmm. one guy, one girl. And I had no idea who Caleb was. I don't watch TV. I, I watch Survivor mm-hmm. and sometimes I watch 60 Minutes and I'll watch election night coverage. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know who Caleb was and he looked so disinterested in pregame that I just assumed he was the alternate, so... Turns out I was I was wrong on that front. Um, so, okay. so so Jay, I feel like I I kind of know um, from that from that pregame experience and casting experience. So um, yeah. you know I I'd like to see him do pretty well. Um, I just I know a, a lot of the the critics out there think this is a boring season and doesn't have a lot of strategy. Blah blah blah. But I'm finding it very entertaining. Maybe it's also just kind of you know, not being a part of it, just getting to enjoy it as a fan again. But um, I, I like a, a bunch of the, the folks quite a bit. I, um, you know, Ken, it's like what's not to love. I think every every male probably wants to be Ken. Um, yeah. Profession, our sorry, our show ahead. loves Ken. Our, our show loves Ken. So, yeah, okay. Ken's, we're big yeah, fans of Ken. Yeah, it's to see that alpha male, um, like, 
you know, our, our, my buddy Nick, who, who doesn't put on that alpha male role, who kind of, kind of is humble and is almost like one of those geeks getting shoved in lockers, like just, you know, not out there preening his feathers and, and showing everybody that he's got the biggest pack muscles out there. So, um, so that's refreshing. <laughs> and there's uh, David too. Like at the first episode, I'm like, really? Like another Cochran? Mm-hmm. Although I found Cochran entertaining. And the more I watch David, I just, I just think the guy is so fun to watch because he's amazing TV. Just seeing because he's a TV writer, I just think he just yeah. I don't think it's all played up either. I think it's just his natural charisma and just is this. He's a big one of the bigger fish out of water. I can imagine just he just seems so ill prepared. Yeah, for exactly. some aspects the of the game that never should have listened to Suri and gotten off the couch. He should have stayed there. He would have been much safer on the couch watching Survivor, but. He's not. He's out there, and it's really entertaining to me to watch. And I actually – I've been editing my uh, first-ever Survivor application with one of my colleagues at work, and I had a – not a diss on Sri, but they made a big deal when Sri lost 30 pounds, and I've lost 270 now. So um, I, I made sure to mention that on one of our versions of it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've had a little more than 39 days to lose that weight. Oh yeah, it's been uh, about 390, but but you also have the temptation of food, whereas we don't have that out there. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole different, whole different place. So, well, with this, um, well, the one, I have one other thing I want to cover before we recap is, you know, what was your individual journey onto the show? Because I think fans appreciate like a fan that you know ascended and made it into the process. And why do you think you made it this time? And then you, I believe you. Had, is this the only time you tried out was co-wrong or you were in the mix before and then you had been repeatedly trying to get on? I, so I applied twice. So my story is that back in summer of 2000 when survivor came on, I don't think I watched the first episode, but I heard about it. And I think I probably watched from the second episode on and I, I'd watch with my twin brother. So I'd come home from work in a cubicle and watch these people that were on this incredibly grand adventure and think, wow, these people, they've, they've kind of figured life out. They're, they're doing cool stuff. You know, that's not to say, oh, you know, Survivor is everything. Um, that's mm-hmm. certainly not my belief. But, but when you, you know, lead the life that allows you to do something like that, I felt like, you know, they've figured it out. But I was sitting in the cubicle wearing, you know, bad clothes, like had a bad haircut. I mean, I have a worse haircut now. But I just felt like, you know, wow, I wish that I could be that person someday. And I, but I didn't really ever think that was possible. But then I went on the circuitous route through life. I quit my job at a gap at their headquarters. I left the cubicle. I went to the Peace Corps in Morocco. Then I came back and I started my own business. And that's afforded so many incredible opportunities, some of which I could mention um, on a podcast. And yeah, I those, mean, some of your adventures I've followed have been, it's amazing some of the stuff, and I, I, I share some of, I, I think I share most of your political views, I think, and world <laughs> views, it's amazing, um, just some of the yeah, cool liberal, stuff you've done. You're going to lose, you're going to lose the Trump supporters from your audience. Well, that's just one of the things I'll have to deal with, I I, uh, I actually had my Clinton Kane sign ripped out of my yard for the second time here on campus, so I'm going to have to go get another sign at the headquarters, but... The Trump supporters are I'm so not glad on we here. all agree. 
can you can you mention just a little bit about going to the Trump rally? I read that uh, on your Facebook page, man. I just laughed my ass off. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess this is maybe six weeks ago or so. I was in Wisconsin. My the company that I started, Three Twins, a little plug there. Uh, had yeah. a factory in Wisconsin, and I saw that there was going to be a Trump rally. So went onto his website and requested a couple tickets. They sent me five. Apparently, they're really eager to get more people in there. And I went just to just to see, you know, what is all this what is all this hype about? Who are these people? Because I know so few Trump supporters. I mm-hmm. think I know a, you know one less now. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't think we're friends anymore. <laughs> and it was exactly like the articles that I had read about it from, you know, the people selling T-shirts outside that said um, Clinton or Hillary sucks, but not as much as Monica. To, wow. Yeah, to the Confederate flag, to, you know, the redneck element, um, which there's nothing wrong with being a redneck. But I think in this instance, the, the views are a little misguided and, and hateful. Um, to the chance of lock her up, I mean, you name it. It was exactly like a number of articles that I had read about it. And, uh, Just spewing I, I a lot of hate. I got close enough to yell at him and be heard. That's what I was going to do. So I was about 30 feet back, and I just listening to him spout off this, it's just ridiculous bullshit. I mean, he's talking about, you know, first talking about how Hillary's going to take a, abolish the Second Amendment, which, of course, she has no power to do as the president. Yep. And then talking about how inner city crime is growing, and it's all Hillary's fault because she did nothing as Secretary of State, which makes no sense because... Yep, no logical argument there. So, no, yeah. None there. And then, like, seeming to not see the connection between inner city violence and guns. Um, and I, you know, so I just had enough and I just, just started yelling at the end of his sentences because when he's speaking, you can't be heard. And then after certain sentences, people are plotting and you can't be heard. So just kind of find those sentences where he's just moving on to the next sentence and jump in there. So I started yelling, you embarrass America and release your taxes. And then the crowd started yelling over me but then he thanked them and then started talking again and then found another opening. And much to my surprise, I neither got pummeled nor did I get dragged out of there immediately. So this went oh, on that's for, good. Yeah, this went on for a few minutes. People were, like, hitting my face with signs, but, um, you know, fortunately I didn't get any paper cuts. And eventually a young misguided staffer came out and politely asked me to leave, and I said, no problem, um, I've heard enough. And walked out. But the perhaps the funniest thing about the whole experience was that um, I got recognized by a couple oh, of, cool. of the Harley Davidson clad uh, Trump Trumpinators. So I posed for some pictures <laughs> with them, talking about making America great again. You know, these guys obviously aren't remembering that I was on the Brains Tribe because I'm pretty sure that there's nobody on our tribe who's a Trump supporter. And um, so on the way out, I walked by them, and I said, um, blindside, not actually a Trump supporter. And they just kind of like, rolled their eyes. <laughs> Got him. I'm glad you're Blindside. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I like to think of that as a second blind side that I helped engineer. Pretty good. And I'm glad oh, your face injuries didn't get infected and you didn't have to be medically removed. It was one of the harder things to watch as a fan, knowing you had fought to get in there and just, what all was happening there? What was going on in uh, Cambodia with so much of your medical? I mean, the stuff with Caleb and what happened to you and Aubrey and everybody, just, it seemed like a horrid place. And I'm not sure why SCG went there because somebody didn't beautiful. really pass away on the French version in the same place you guys were at. Yeah, something like that. But it was, I mean, that could have happened anywhere, somebody getting having a heart attack from a challenge. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was a brutal environment, but it was also an incredible environment. It was so beautiful out there. The weather, although it was so hot and sticky during the day, was a place I would go back to in a second because you weren't cold at night. You know, it got down to the low 80s, and that's great weather to sleep in. You can, I slept in shorts most nights. You go into a climate like Fiji, I think it got down in the 60s or 70s, and you're cold. You know, you're, you're cuddling up with people. You're shivering. So it was a, it was a great environment for that. But I, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm just a humble ice cream maker. But I look at the environment of Cambodia where it's, you know, it's around 98 degrees every day, and it's around 100% humidity. So it kind of mimics the human body. And so my theory is that these things just evolve you know, in an environment so similar to the human body that they can just jump in and wreak havoc on us. Um, You know, so many of us had had these staph infections. Um, It was ridiculous. And I think I I was a little bit of collateral damage based on the fact that Peter and Liz, after they were voted out, they actually um, each had to fly home early to have surgery for the staph infections that they had, which weren't even present on the show. I don't – Liz might have had a little something – I, I never saw it. Um, Peter did have something in the game, but not. It was after the swap, so I, I never saw that either. Yeah. There was a producer who had a major staph infection in his heel, and I saw the photos of the surgery they did on him. He almost lost his foot. Um, I think there were some wow. other incidents. So I think with me, it just ended up being collateral damage. They were, they were significantly more cautious than they typically are. Um, yeah. and made the decision to not not risk um, the bottom part of my leg, even though I was begging begging Jeff to leave me in the game. They just wanted to be safe, and they there's never, especially the close call with um, you know how worn down Caleb had let himself get. So they were just probably being uber protective. And I mean, it's unfortunate. And you got to join the jury for a while, and then another unprecedented event happened, which was shocking to watch because I'm, I'm team Aubrey. I, I mean, I, I under, I've talked to Michelle a lot more post game and I appreciate, I appreciate more the, the, the presentation of her game, I guess, wasn't where it could have been is the easiest way to describe it. Cause we were huge Aubrey fans here last season throughout mm-hmm. the game. But um, do you think that's something that would, that they're going to do again, the twist that happened to you and what was your, I mean, your initial reaction has got to be intense. I don't know how like production maybe talked about that after right afterwards, the debrief with that and the counselor even, or psychologist. <laughs> I bet. My initial reaction was um, to start cracking up. Okay. So, as they announced this twist, um, most of the jury was looking at me and waving, you know, we were all pretty, pretty confident that it was going to be me. Cause I was, I was pretty outspoken and, and yeah. you know, knew how tight I was with Aubrey and she knew that I was probably going to slay her with my questioning at the <laughs> final tribal council. So she, she made a really intelligent move, 
by by voting me off. And you know, I was out of the game. I didn't I didn't apply for Survivor and train and go through the number of days that I went through to get on the jury. I I was there to win, and I had already lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I was not upset by any means that I was taken off. Um, just the opposite. I laughed almost nonstop for almost two hours. I could not stop laughing because I just thought like, it was just so my, – my trajectory, my story is just so ridiculous that you can't help but laugh about it. And it's, it's ironic because when the IDs Act, they brought me to a hospital um, over in the Capitol for two nights, and then mm-hmm. they brought me to Snookville, which was about a 45-minute boat ride from the island for I think it was four nights so that I could recover a bit more from with these open wounds that I still had um, in air conditioning, not sweating in them. Ponderosa is pretty dirty. And the hotel was great. Jackie Kennedy stayed there in the 60s, um, Mm, air conditioning, and they had this incredible breakfast buffet with pate and cheeses and all these delicious things that I just couldn't get enough of. So I kept on begging our our handlers if we could go and spend another night at the, um, the independent independence um because it was great and we did have some you know like day trip excursions and whatnot mm. so kept on asking them to go back and you know be careful what you wish for because that's that's where i went back with one of the handlers and then the psychologist because they were concerned that whoever did get voted off the jury was going to be really upset about it um but we we had a nice um triple date we went out had some pizza a nice bottle of wine then um, i rated the the, um, the mini bar in the hotel room and watch some television and um, had a lovely evening. So I was I was not heartbroken by any means. Um, I thought it was an interesting twist and you know I'm sure most Survivor fans want to be a, a part of a Survivor first, um, not the first season that three people evacuated. But um, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't mind at all. I was I was flattered that Michelle saw me, you know, as so much of a threat still, even though I had been out of the game for 19 days. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll do it again, though, because it, it was certainly not popular with the fans, so I don't know how much feedback they take from the fans. A lot of people just kind of thought it was either stupid or cruel. I don't I don't think it was cruel. Uh, yeah, it's not like Palau. When I think of the worst things, you know, I, the first thing I always think of is the, the schoolyard pick in Palau is like the worst ever, and there's only yeah. other few things that are quite – even Outcast was a little – it was the – they intentionally made it so the outcasts would win with certain things they did. Like meager rations, not really. I think Ryan Shoulders was working out somewhere and trying, you know, getting that for those protein shakes. So it wasn't really equitable. So, but I'm glad you took it well because as a fan, it was really hard to watch because I was, you know, a huge supporter of you. So I'm I'm glad you took it well and there's no like psychological damage. I'm glad you were laughing about it. That makes it funny for me. Yeah, now. I just not wish funny, I had more time but... to, um, you know, practice my delivery to Michelle a little bit more. But I was. You know, I had about 30 seconds to to decide what I was going to say. If you had been there, do you think um, you think you could have swayed anybody, or was it pretty much definitive the ones that were going to go for who they voted for? Was do you no, think you could have? Trying to sway a survivor jury is like harder than hurting chickens. She, yeah. Everybody there was so strong-willed. I mean, how how am I ever going to change Scott Pollard's mind or Jason's mind or Debbie's mind? Like. Everybody was so strong-willed. Everybody had their own experience in the game, had their own opinion of the people that were left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
I, I don't think there was much that would have changed. Okay. Anything. Would have been a little closer, but yeah, nothing, not enough to swing it. So. Yeah, I mean, there would have been more footage of you know Nick and I flirting with each other at the final travel, but but that would have been about it. Yeah, he was glad enough to message me, and he said he's listening in. He just, I guess, a little maybe burned out from it. But the banter you guys had online, I mean, I'm not in, has been in the Twitter game as long. I've been a fan of one super fanatic fan for a long time, but not on Twitter till recently. Uh-huh. Just and just the, just the banter on the island and in the jury and off, and it was just fun to watch. <laughs> so it would have been hilarious if you've been here just to experience just some good smack and trash talk. Yeah, so Nick I, and I love each other like. Yeah. He and I, and and then James, who's the the lovely man who makes the Ponderosa videos. The three mm-hmm. of us kind of kept each other sane um, at at Ponderosa. So we yeah. had we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. You know, of course, we all want to see back in the game, but mm-hmm. um, we also both really made the best of the time that we had, and and we 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 sealed our friendship for life. Awesome. Well, so maybe if he, next time. There you go. And if I uh, if he ever feels like he's wanting to come back, I'll definitely try to get him get him in here for sure. Yeah, but, you um, know, he, he keeps kind of to the side of the survivor community. Um, Nick's Nick's a different type of person, as you can tell from his Twitter. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and and he just doesn't he doesn't like the attention uh, or necessarily the human interaction nearly as much as um, a lot of the rest of us. Well, it was still really cool, yeah, but I, 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 hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, but we can recap a little bit. I just like to do a little, uh, you know, where you've been. And I guess with the, the last question before we recap is just post-show, is everybody, are you, is your season pretty interactive and still everyone relatively cool with each other? And every, you still had no major beef between? I mean, there's just a, exactly. no, some of the no stuff on Braun. But, anybody, yeah. y'all get along. We're one big happy family. Next question. Okay, cool. <laughs> I experienced some of that at a charity event where one person came and I was I was blatantly told if someone else that was close to Cincinnati showed up that they were going to leave and I'm like please don't because your flight's non-refundable but I'm glad none of that none of that happened. No, I mean there's just it, the the relationships evolve over time. Um, I'd say over almost the people in our season are pretty cool, you know. You get back to normal life. You spend less time in the survivor community, less time interacting with each other. There's not a single person in my season that I wouldn't, you know, welcome into my home to spend mm-hmm. the night if they're, if they're, you know, in the Bay Area. Um, I might sleep with one eye open with a couple of them. But smart. That's very smart. <laughs> I'd still welcome them into my home. Um, so sure, you know, there's been some spats on Twitter over. You know, misinformation, politics, and and conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, and anti-vaxxing. But you know, that's, that's that's fine. I mean, we all have different ways of communicating in the world, and different you know ideas of reality. Mm-hmm. And yet, those Type A personalities, it's bound to have those flare-ups. And I'm glad everyone seems to be past it. So. For sure, and I, I really hope you get a chance to come back in there. And if I ever, if they put my, I mean, I've lost 270 pounds, but if they put my big old butt out there and you're there, man, I will definitely communicate off the air. But I would love to work with you. So. <laughs> Trying to form a pregame alliance when you haven't even gotten your application in. 
Hey, I'm working on it. I'm, it's all pregame, man. I got all kinds of bonds with the alumni, so I got to see who's all in the mix before I make any ironclad deals. Because I've known, see, I've been meeting you guys since 2002. So harassing right people on. in hotel I'll, lobbies. I'll consider it. All right, man. Well, well I appreciate it. Um, with this coming back from last week into the you know previous on Survivor, I just can't. What's your take on uh, Taylor and Figgy? and just how they conducted themselves throughout this season leading up through this episode. Is that – did you, ex- yeah, did you had, think if there was going to be a Millennials Gen X situation that they'd be that blatant to just any random pleasure, I had the pleasure of meeting Figgy uh, a few weeks ago. I was in L.A. and um, okay. a viewing event that she was at. She is a lovely, amazingly great, kind, friendly, beautiful human being. But – holy crap, how could you be so stupid? Like, they're all fans. (laughs) They all know that Rob and Amber ruin it for every future Survivor couple by winning. Yep. And as a result, like, you have to not let that show. Like, you know, 39 days, have googly eyes at each other, make your secret alliances, but God damn it, like, sleep on opposite ends of the shelter. Do not touch each other. Stay away. Get into fake fights. Whatever it takes, because you might think that love wins. You know, millennials have been told that for the last 15 years, that love wins. Well, it does out in the real world. Equality wins. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't win in Survivor. Love loses in Survivor. So that was so dumb. And I think one of my favorite parts was watching, you know, Jay has a definitely different head on his shoulders and just his – you know, critiquing of his boy Taylor. I was just, that was a lot of fun. And Figgy's been cool with it. Like, I've been tweeting like crazy, and she's liking something. I'm like, I can't wait to watch this thing blow up. And she, like, likes it. I'm like, okay, well. So yeah, she no, seems she's, nice. and She's just, awesome. She and um, we were texting last night. She said she's going to seek vengeance on them down the road. And I, I don't doubt that. Um, you know, you can, it was a huge mistake, but it's also, you have to remember what it's like out there and mm-hmm. you're away from every other human being in your life. And you are each other's best friends and your relationships. And, you know, maybe you want a little more comfort in the shelter at night than you might get otherwise by just, you know, being strictly with your game face on 24 seven. So, you, you know, you can think about it and say, Oh, that's so dumb. That's like so sophomoric. Like, season one, but you can kind of understand how it how it could happen, and you just kind of oh yeah enjoy it, and you just think, well, you know, we'll just be open and upfront about it because we're millennials, and you know, we we communicate well, and and people will see past it. But whoopsies. But how amazing would that have been if they actually got married at tribal council? I was really yeah, because I I remember that kind of you know tidbits about probes, but I I wouldn't think. As enamored as they were with each other, I didn't think that would happen, especially from Figgy. I think Taylor might have—I don't know—he he seems more immediately into that. But it would have been—that would have been amazing TV, and that would have definitely trumped all the proposals at, you know, final tribal. The you know the one that worked out like Robin Amber, and then the one that didn't. What was that, David? And um, oh, I can't believe I'm having a brain fart on Survivor trivia. Carolina Eastwood. Yeah, that that thing that made Redemption Island even more unbearable was that proposal. 
uh-huh. final, final tribal. But yeah, it's amazing. And there's been a few romances that have made it out, you know, past the game. So it's well, Nick and I, yeah, that, you know, Nick and I are alive and well. Well, that is good, and hopefully the Trump supporters can get more agitated at that. So, um, what do you think of uh, last episode? And it was a big part of this episode once they knocked out CC. If how Chris and Zeke just come together over something just like where they're from. Were there connections you had just because of interesting things on your season with people on your tribe? And then as the, the tribe changed, just stuff oh, yeah. like, I mean, I think you, I think you kind of bond over, you know, every little thing. Um, Joe and I were at each other's throats for the first few days. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even the first six days, I think it was like, it seemed like anything I did, I was doing it wrong and I'm not the most patient person. And, you know, we were just kind of both being being alpha males around each other. But you know what? Like, then we went fishing one afternoon, and we talked about southern Florida because I have family that lives there, and he lives in Florida. And we, mm-hmm. we talked about fishing. And, you know, you find those means to connect with people. So absolutely every little thing can be can be your ticket to that little bit of bonding, that little bit of trust that can make all the difference. Awesome. Sherry, uh, I've been kind of dominating this. As I, I mean, I usually do, but did you have any questions for Neil? Pre, pre-stuff before, as we recap this episode, I don't want to make sure I forget anything that you might want to ask. So. No, not that it has to do with Survivor anyway. <laughs> yeah, just, just making sure. And I think the one interesting thing is as, uh, this new bond that's two interesting people, David and Zeke, at the beginning of the episode were starting to get closer and Zeke just this guy's every season's got a couple great confessionalists and hopefully everyone can at least conduct a decent confessional but just Zeke is such a wordsmith and just the way he phrases things and he was just so excited that you know they made it through and they convinced Gen X to go against each other so do you think do you think that was a good long-term move what Chris and David did knocking out CeCe going into this episode or what was your perspective on that? Oh, man, I don't know. I like the move at the time. Yeah. Whether it's a good long term, it's going to be interesting to see those relationships once they once they go down to two tribes or if they just go and merge right from three mm-hmm. um, to see how those lines hold up. I suspect that the Gen X millennial thing is you know more in the title than in the actual division. Mm-hmm. So. It, it, I think it it'll probably prove to to be a good one. I mean, you're better off going across tribe lines, getting people that you feel comfortable with, than trying to go forward with the people that you know you shouldn't trust. Yeah, I think the only only way I would have approached it differently is if they maybe could have used Cece to get out Michelle and then came back, because I think um, I think she's a very one of the strongest strategist out there and was able to twist that first vote so having her still around I think is pretty is the most dangerous part of taking CC out it's not really CC not being there it's that Michelle's still there because yeah and I mean I don't know if you're it, but I, I do I do think it's a shame that like all except for one of the minority women on the season were gone so quickly um, that's also so. a very unfortunate because that's I mean Survivor's not exactly a no reality show especially some of the CBS ones have a good track record with casting people that aren't Caucasian and that is pretty unfortunate especially the, the women too that all these vote out so far 
you know, 83% are women, and that's... It's, yep. It's or the one that's left that was a beast at challenges. Michaela is... is she's oh, my gosh, she's a beast. But she's, she's also incredibly intelligent and eloquent, so... Yep. Um, she is. She's, she she is, is absolutely great. Um, she's one of my favorites. Yeah, um, I met her, too, and... Man, she's she is a gem. So I hope she. Oh, I would around. love to meet her. Uh, I'm looking forward. We'll catch everybody at the next finale. That's, that's <laughs> well, you will I, because that's I'm what active, you do. But, yeah, I acquired castaways, and it's fun meeting you guys. It's just a weird thing that it's, and it just keeps the show more interesting. Because, and that's why we try to be nice to everyone as we talk about the show. Is you know, I'm gonna, I've met 93% of the cast, so I'm not really gonna be somebody to bag on. On anybody, but yeah, Michaela is somebody I'm really looking forward to meet. The only challenge I have is with her is she is articulate a lot and she's a great challenge person. But I think her her temperament, there, I think some some of these interactions are going to be detrimental possibly to her game. Just how she, some of the stuff she had with Hannah, I'm like mm-hmm. she's very very intense, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. So I, I I could see that being something that people may hold against her down the road. Yeah, I I get that. I mean that was. The how she was treating Hannah last night in the in the heat of the competition, but she did not have a good bedside manner. And you know, at the end of the game, people are voting for the people that they like. So who knows if Hannah ends up being on the jury and Michaela ends up being in the final? If she remembers that and she felt belittled, or if she thinks of it and thinks like, you know what, this girl was a competitor. She did everything that she needed to do in every moment to win. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't know how she'd do that. If it was me, I would be pissed as all hell at her. But mm-hmm. it, it, you might not be when she told her what to do, and they want it, and they they want it uh, bigly, so to speak. Big, yeah, bigly. And one yeah. other, thing, I thought it was especially interesting for her intensity there, especially when um, you know Hannah had, had trouble in the reward challenge, which was. Somewhat impressed. I mean, uh, it, that was, I, and I was, I tweeted a little bit. I didn't want to, I didn't want her to feel like I was, I was necessarily, you know, calling her out, really. But it was just having a possible oh, panic attack but, as a sit out. I thought that would have been really interesting TV. I'm glad Doctor Joe didn't have to, you know, pull her out and that she calmed down. And but yeah, I mean, that was that was unfortunate. I don't, can't remember anything like that ever happening before. But you know, you also have to remember. You know, for her to get to that bench, well, I don't know, was it day 15 or so? So she's been she's been hungry. She probably hasn't been fully hydrated. She hasn't been sleeping. She just probably went on some boat ride to the challenge site, probably sat in a hot green tent for an hour and a half. She didn't walk was there? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Dehydrated. Like, you don't get that dehydrated, dur- that dehydrated during most of the challenges. They're just not that long. And you, mm-hmm. you know you're you're often in the water and whatnot. So on one hand you're like, oh my god, like you can't faint at the challenge. I, I tweeted that last night. But yeah. on the other hand, uh, yeah, you can. You can you can faint anywhere. You can freak out because the game ticks on every single moment, whether you're on camera, whether you're in the challenge or not. Like the game ticks on and it takes a toll on you. What's uh, what's the biggest difference, like, with the challenges from what we see versus actually being there and, and doing that? I mean, I've, there's – what's uh, – how how different it is? And do you, do you ever disassociate from the huge production team? Like, are you ever not aware of that? Do you really lose yourself that there these people aren't around you? Or were you always cognizant of that? 
Mm, like, I mean, I think the two big differences are, you know, it's it's not just you and Jeff out there. It's yeah. you, Jeff, and probably an average of 15 cameras plus GoPros everywhere and sound booms and dozens of other people. I mean, I bet some Option of the challenges have around yeah, 100 yeah. people standing there. Um, so there's, it's not it's not just you out in the jungle with Uncle Jeff. It's, it's a big production, and, and you're aware of that. Um, and the challenges are so much longer than those seven minutes that you oh, yeah. that you see. I mean, our first challenge, the one that involved where Darnell lost the goggles and then you had to mm-hmm. get the boat up that track that was impossible and then the puzzles. I didn't have a watch, of course, but I would guess that was about 45 minutes for us. Um, it wow. Was, it was a long time. And the, a lot of those challenges are, you know, in the 15, 20, 40-minute range. They take a long time. Um but, you know, for me also, the challenge is it's like that is, that's go time. And I've competed in a bunch of stuff. I, I rode in college. I've run ultramarathons. Um, I've never been more focused in any competition than during those challenges. Like, it might as well have just been you and Jeff because you're not looking at the cameras. You're not looking uh, to see what anybody else is doing on the other tribes. You're just, like, head down, getting it done. Um, so it was. They were, they were great experiences, and we had a lot of luck with them as well. But, but they were um, amazing things to participate in. And, and we had a classic challenge, but with a new twist that I especially appreciated. The, you know, the caller, that's, you know, as old as, I believe, uh, I think season two, the notorious, you know, with Colby and Jerry having trouble to communicate. But then the, the puzzle component was also blindfolded. So I thought that was a nice new new wrinkle to things. So that yeah, was... I hate I hate blindfold challenges. I I never actually participated in one, but those were like my fear because I feel like I'm just the right height to just continually Thank walk the things and just ruin my chances of ever having a child. Yeah, I think Ken. I don't know if it was that one or the the next one. He he took some pretty hard hits, and it just seems I'm surprised and not being crass, but I'm surprised with so many of those blindfolded challenges with poles and sticks that there's not been a medical a real intense medical with a guy racking himself. So. But what a reward. Um, um, what were you craving the most food-wise when you were there? And what This was a pretty nice one with apple pie and cookies and brownies and milk and tea and even some cookies for a second. But, you know, if there had been an individual immunity challenge and probes is pulling out, like, platters of food, what would you have possibly jumped for? Uh, you know, I can't say that I was craving any one thing. Like, there were people that were craving ice cream. There were people that were craving um, Chipotle. Or Three I Twins was, ice cream, maybe. They should, they should add some of that on. on no, they were, they were probably off. craving cheap stuff, the Cherry Garcia. I yeah, was there you craving, go. I was craving some crunch. I was craving chewing into something that didn't have the texture of a giant clam. As much as I'm thankful that those kept us alive. Everything was mushy. I wanted some crunch, and I wanted, I wanted to feel full. I wanted a full stomach. Yeah. I wanted to feel, you know, just satiated for once. See, I could never do Survivor because I don't eat seafood, so I would die out there. Yeah, Liz, Liz from our season had a shellfish allergy, so she couldn't eat, uh, the, you know, pretty much anything except for the fish, which there weren't, there weren't a lot of fish. So she I don't know what she would have done if she made it past day eight because that's a long time to only go with fish when there's just not that many fish. 
I did not know that. It's a little a new, new, interesting thing, and maybe that contributed to what happened there. Just yeah. What do you think about these uh, hidden immunity idols with the symbol, making it a little easier to find? And then we got Jay finally getting the Ikabula, uh idol there. What's What's your opinion on the idols in this particular season and how people are finding them? And I guess David's already utilized one and has already got another one back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I look at it like, God damn it! Now there's someplace else I have to look for an idol if I ever go back on. Um, you know, we already knew we had to look in the in the trees, and now we have yep. to look on, you know, all the little litter on the beach. Um, I like it. You know, any it mixes it up a bit. It it gives you it makes a little more, you know, supposedly it's so easy to find these, but they weren't found on day one. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's the case at all, that they're, they're easier to find. Um, so I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm, I like yeah. it. You know? And I, and I like Jay's reaction. He was such a, you know, trying to dispel some of those millennial, you know, perspectives and talking about why he was there. And it was really moving what he was talking about, you know, doing this for his, uh, you know, his mom and getting her a house. And it I put him in a perspective there for the reasons why people are there and for, you know, there's a variety <laughs> of reasons why everyone's there. So I really, I like that a lot as a viewer, I, that, that whole scene. I may, maybe I'm just selfish, but I, I tweeted last night that, you know, basically any survivor that says that they're playing for their family is either um, disingenuous or misguided. Because I think a lot of people say they want to buy their parents' houses or, help put their grandmothers through college or whatever. I think most people are just there for themselves. I mean, yeah, you, you, you want to, you're thankful that you have your family and whatnot, but I don't think that there's too many people. Um, somebody called me out and was like, well, what about, what about Jeremy who, you know, who won uh, a couple of seasons ago? Uh, I think most people are there, you know, as an individual. I don't, I don't think people are getting on thinking like, this is really going to change my family's, my family's lives. They but, may say that's their reason, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, it sounds good. Help you the most. So. Yeah, it sounds good. And you know, that six hundred fifty thousand dollars post tax, or five hundred fifty, depending what state you live in, that doesn't really buy much of a house. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any survivor winner that has given it all the way to buy their their parents a house quite yet. But Not, I welcome I, them to call in if they have. Yeah, yeah, Colin challenges uh listening population. I don't I can't recall that either. There's been some pretty decent gifts, but nothing nothing to to equate that. Yeah, I think when you start thinking about giving away that kind of money, it becomes a little more difficult than even giving away an idol. Mhm. Do you um and it looks like well, we're kind of jumping around a little bit. Do you think it I I the the next time on Survivor after what happened at the end, uh, what do you think about David trying to curry favor with Zeke, putting so, letting him know? Do you think he's mis got misreading Zeke, or do you think he's got a stronger bond with him, or why do you think he'd be that open with? I don't know. Him? I haven't seen that part yet. I ran out to CrossFit right after the vote. Oh, so, sorry, man. Yeah. Well, that's um, they were I talking about that. that. That's it. Okay. Um. Well, in uh, Takali had a lead, and it. You know, Figgy was running that, and they didn't do well. Uh, Vanua takes it, takes that huge, huge reward. And then uh, 
as a little another good uh, Michaela, you know, some smack talk with probes. Like, okay, I'll have to come get the six cookies. I'm like, six cookies is better than no cookies. So I still believe the yeah, a lot, a lot better. Um, yeah, Doctor Joe, absolutely delicious. The brownies that we had at our merch feast. I'm not, I'm not even into sweets really, but yeah. they were one of the most delicious things I've ever had in my life because they were the first thing that we ate. The first. Yep non-giant clam, non-oyster, non-mushy fish that we ate for for 17 days. I can't even I can't even imagine what that's what that's like. So um we'll, we'll get to experience it. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh I I have 23 minutes we edited down to 3, so there's a lot of good sound bites and we'll see. Uh anticipate a fan's favorites 3, so I mean I used to be the biggest fan, literally, and we'll see. I don't, I don't know what else I can do. I'm losing see, almost 60% of yourself is an interesting journey. So I would, uh, I'm I mean, part of my video, I was too fat for Biggest Loser. Hatch tried to get me on there with like a on Biggest Loser, and they told me I was too fat. So I was like, well, time to change things around. So that's amazing. No, I mean, at, more than anything else, they want they want stories. They want people that are doing interesting things in their lives that they can tell those stories and they want people that have faced challenges, have challenges in their life. Um, yeah. it, they don't, they don't want the Ken dolls for lack of better uh, reference. Um, yeah. they want, they want people that have lived. And I'm not, not referring to Ken from the seasons, Ken doll, but they, you know, they don't want those, those perfect plasticky people. Mm-hmm. They want stories. That's, that's what survivor is. It's storytelling. And that's what I love, and that's what keeps me watching. And even if there's seasons that, you know, like they're saying this one, and I, I, and all Survivor to me is awesome. I mean, there's some rough patches from like Nicaragua to Philippines, but I mean, it's still, it's still a show I, I love to death. And um, one thing I was, I can't believe another just way that Figgy interacted was being so excited to see Michelle when they went to the reward challenge. I know. And then like, oh yeah, and Zeke, great to see you too. And I was just like, wow, like where did where are these people thinking? I just don't I don't think she was. I think she's just somebody that that loves human beings a lot and and she wears her heart on her on her sleeve and, and on Taylor's sleeve. And she I, she wasn't thinking, but Obviously, that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the one one of the other things, the immunity challenge, I was a little surprised. David was actually not sucking in a challenge, so I was glad he had a little moment there where he, he seemed to be more comfortable with what he – until he had to carry the bags, but, you know, get around. <laughs> had to drag the bag. He could only drag the one, and the other guys are carrying, like, all three and probably could have carried his for him, but – I was glad he, he had a little moment because he's been one of the, you know, worst challenge competitors. And I, I have no idea how I'd even do that myself, but it's just, you know, Jeff loves to tear into, into David, and he, he did well, so I, I like the shout-out he got. Yep. And, uh, it scared me when they sent him out first. Yeah, I wasn't sure the logic on that, but uh, I guess they had to send him out at some point, so they knew they maybe if he that if he tanks it, they could try to make up his time. Scared me to death when they sent him out first. I was like, oh man, why are they doing this to David? You know, but he went out there and he did really well. I was like, yes, 
thank goodness, you know, because I'm always pulling for the guy, and I was really worried about him going out there and having something bad happen again, you know, like has happened in past challenges, and kind of scared me and worried me there at first, but he did really well, so yep. I was happy to see that. And uh, they lose, and they come back to camp, and... um do you think Adam what 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 point uh Neil do you think Adam made the transition? Do you think any of this was had anything to do with, you know, Jessica talking to Ken or you think Adam probably was saw that writing on the wall a lot earlier and that's just creative television or you think some of that had any factor? What's your just take being out there versus us it, is just watching it? It all adds up. You're always looking for those cues of like who, you know, who likes each other, who gets along, but who's like really linked? Who is going to, you know, hold on to the other person's hand as a raft goes down because they're they're a team, and you know it's clear that Figgy had some really tight relationships. I mean, that's three people. Um, that's a pretty big, uh, to quote Stephen Fishbach, voting block. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's a big number to go up against when you might you just add him floating by himself. So. I think he did a great job. I think that was the the move to make. I mean, you need to break up the the power couple or the power, you know, menage a trois as it might have turned into. The triforce. So, that's a nerdy nickname for those, you know, those those people to come up with. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting there. I didn't expect that that kind of a reference. The the legend. I think Zelda. getting her out might get Taylor's head back in the game. As I, well, like for challenges. I would, I, I would I agree with that, Sherry. Yeah. Taylor and I think he, that would make him stronger. Both heads in the game. around camp looking to, for his next uh, conquest. Who knows? Who do you think Taylor's going to move on to? Do you got any want to guess there? Any who who's his next intent? Fight Jay for Michelle or? <laughs> Maybe he'll go across the aisle and, you know, go for for speak <laughs> or, you know, teach young Will some new things. Well, well, you never know. It's wide open. I, Will, for being the youngest player ever, he's got one of the deepest voices, and I can't believe the kid just left school. I mean, is he going to get, like, a GED, or I don't know more about his backstory. Like, what? how's he going to make that up? I'm, it's It's so awesome. Whatever. I think that. Survivor teaches you more than the last two months of high school ever will. He wouldn't have been doing shit anyway if he's any senior worth anything. He hopefully wasn't doing much those last two months. So. I think it's awesome. I'm so curious, you know, what his cover story was for going away for two months and, and if anybody's going to believe it or if he's, they're just going to, you know, if they knew that he's the, he's the kid on Survivor when as soon as he got back. Those are always fascinating, the things you hear like, oh, I'm going off Facebook for a while, or I'm going on this mission trip. Like, uh, okay, you haven't been to church in like five years, but I hope you enjoy your mission trip in the tropics. Yeah, I I told people that I was going to Nepal, um, which is a place I've been three times. I'm actually going back on Saturday, um, and I'm really going to Nepal. I'm not going to film Survivor. But then there was a giant earthquake in Nepal, so – some people, when they didn't hear from me after this giant earthquake, thought I was dead. Ooh, oh, yeah. my gosh. Next next time I'm going to have to come up with a different excuse. 
not Nepal. That's cool. Yeah, some of you, yeah, some of you, the adventures you've had. How many? I mean, I don't, how many countries have you been to around the, uh, around um, the I haven't world? Even, I haven't been to that many countries because I, I keep on going back to the same ones. Like I've been same to ones. Been yeah. Nepal three times and India a couple times. Um, I've been to like thirty or so. Okay. Yeah. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's a hell of a number. And some of what what I'm trying to think of the exact specifics, but did you something to uh, protest in Africa? I was trying to remember exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not stalking you, dude. So I know you were doing <laughs> something there, but I just don't remember the exact. Well, specifics. it made worldwide media, so you might have you know seen it here or there. Yeah. So um, two years ago, my friend Kelly and I, and getting back to your earlier question about me applying and whatnot. So yeah. I started thinking about applying for Survivor. I figured, you know, it might not be on that much longer, and I think I can actually get on. And I actually went out on an OK Cupid date with somebody who at the time worked for the show. Um, ah. She ran, uh, with, with Jody. she ran the non-Jerry trips. And okay. we ended up becoming really good friends, and I told her I wanted to apply, so she introduced me to casting. So I had a direct line of fire with casting. I made my video got the application, and the first year they said, we like you, but you're, you're not going to fit in with the season, which would have been season 30. So maybe, you know, Max yeah. Dawson took my spot or, or who knows. But then I reapplied and, of course, got on the next season. So that Ooh. friend, Kelly, Kelly and I booked a trip to go climb Uganda's highest mountain. And, and right after we booked the trip, they enacted the their criminalization of homosexuality. And I thought, well... Oh, yeah, okay, I remember now the specifics. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to the top of their country. You know, why wouldn't I plant a gay pride flag in, in, in protest besides the fact that I stand to get seven years in prison if I get caught? But um, pulled it off without a hitch and wrote a scathing letter to the president when I, when I got back that I put up on Facebook. And it, it ended up getting a huge amount of coverage, got covered worldwide um, in, you know, the LGBT-focused media. The, some politicians in Uganda were, were throwing insults at me. It was on their national radio. It was in one of their national papers. So um, it, was, it was a profound experience for me. And I told that Good story you, to Jeff the first time that I met him in casting. And he loved the story. So he actually made me bring it up um, later that evening when it was the, the interview with the higher-up executives at, at CBS. CBS, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's an, and I'm glad I'm glad you escaped Uganda. That's no place to screw around, and I'm glad you you got out and made a statement. And that's, I mean, you're I loved you on the show, man, but the stuff like that, I just love even more, so. Thank um, you, yeah. That was my yeah, proud that's moment. That's a great so story. Far. Survivor was cool, but... Um, you know, that was definitely one of my proudest moments. Well, and then, um, we, I teach a global uh, issues class here at the college, aside from my day job, and I introduce the students to, like, some of the, you know, rites of passage and practices in Africa and Asia, the, you know, pertaining to gender equity and female genital mutilation and all this stuff. I'm letting these freshmen in college that are smart kids, but they had no idea, you know, how people were treated in sub-Saharan Africa if they're not men. And it was just, it's amazing. And then there is their perspective on sexual identity and all that and just the, the lack of education there. So I, I wish I, I need to find the time and the resources to do more cool stuff like Neil because I, I like being a rabble rouser and 
that's that's mm-hmm. right in my wheelhouse. So, but um, as we, I I, I said, you know, you're, we're, the show's an hour and a half, but we we're, there's not a whole lot to really recap. But um, going forward, who do you, um, you know, if you were a betting man, who would you, uh, who do you think's got the best shot out of these remaining people to maneuver to get to the end, and who are you kind of pulling for, and are they the same person? Mm. Um, you know, I'd say the the ones that I'm I'm pulling for the most, um, I say Adam and Ken. Um, I just I've really enjoyed them, and I just they seem like entirely decent human beings, um, as well as Michaela as well. Like she just she's just one of those people that's just total package. As far as who I think is going to win, like once again, like I couldn't pick who was going to win when there were three people left in the season that I was a part of. So, yeah, I I have no idea. Um, you know, I I I tend to think that Michelle and Zeke are going to do pretty well. I don't know why I would think that. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I would like to. I would love to see Michaela win. Um, and, you know, the underdogs, like Hannah and David both are getting this edit. Like, they'll be lucky if they don't die out there. But there's maybe they're setting that, that bar really low for, for really great redemption stories. So. Awesome. I'm excited to watch, but I'm, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Well, um, if you're I'm down... If, if you're down around for the next finale, we'd love to see you again, man, and get us slimmer picture. I don't know if you'll be down to see this bunch at the next finale, but uh Well you know I, I just really... um while we've been talking I hedged my bets and I made reservations at the two possible hotels that the finale's at because talking with you reminded me of that. So I'm cool. gonna plan on come down for the night and okay. um, hopefully watch it and, and hang out. The one that with the Paris and Nikki namesake is usually a little cheaper and I, I personally like it better than the other one so but hmm. I've that's got my points. just my two cents <laughs> yeah i've got points so i just booked it both and i'll refund one but uh thank you so much for uh you know, coming on neil and if sherry if you have any closing questions um or if there's anything you want I to do before he leaves there was one question i wanted to ask him that's not survivor related um i wanted to ask him about going to burning man <laughs> burning man is amazing too. Everybody should go to Burning Man. Um, I oh, God, bumped, I want... I bumped into ahead. Vince here. I bumped into Vince. I didn't even know that he was there. I bumped into Vince no on burn night at, like, 2 in the morning. Um, it was it was great. Um, I just missed Shireen this year. She was there as well. And I know there's a bunch of other uh, survivors that, that are, are burners. But it's, it's just fun. It's just a week to just be wild and free and disconnected and not using money and half naked or fully naked and just having so much fun. I I recommend it to everybody. See, I'm an old deadhead and I used you know, go see the dead and that reminds me so much of the old dead shows. That's what an old dead show used to look like, you know, <laughs> basically was exactly what Burning Man looks like every year. And since Jerry passed, you know, it's all changed. And I see Burning Man every year, and it's like, I want to go so bad, you know. 
and just experience that because I miss it so bad. You know, that used to be what we did many, many times every year was, you know, go see the dead shows. And I miss it so bad. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's mind blowing. I mean, Burning Man, for those that don't know, is basically a temporary city that's built in this dry, acrid Nevada lake bed. That's just it's not even sand. It's like silt. It's dust. So you feel like you're on the surface of the moon or Mars or something. There's not a single blade of grass. It's just flat and open. And people build the city with this incredible art, and it's a gifting society. So there's no money changing hands. You just give each other stuff. And there's there's no dress code and um, it's it's incredible and it's there's hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art that people come up with and these art cars that are all lit up and breathing fire and it's just completely ridiculous and amazing and so fun. I want to go. Sounds like a blast, Sherry. We should go next year. Let's uh, book book our flights. We'll talk off the show. Sounds like a cool adventure. <laughs> I know, yeah, I want to go so bad. Garcia, though. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> oh, I want to go so bad. I saw some of the pictures on your Facebook page. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I want to go. I belong there. Well, go. No regrets. <laughs> I need to. Well, man, uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us, and uh, I'm looking forward to, in about five weeks, what, six, five, six weeks, running into you again, and thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. Thanks so much, Neil. Take Bye-bye. care. What a great guest. What a way to knock in the Koran cast. Uh, what a way to start. And all the people that are pending, I, I can't wait to see when they get here. Once Michelle gets back from Africa with Anna, I uh, hope to get them both on here. And when we get Ty's confidence back up, maybe he'll come in and make a guest appearance. He can make a call like, um, oh, shoot, who called in from Philippines? Uh, Zane for what? a minute and a half uh, maybe we'll sweet talk tie into that so we'll see but there's uh i don't I have any announcements for next week sounds well enough to be on a podcast uh maybe that's it well um i'll keep working the alumni and uh seeing who wants to get on here is there anything else that happened on the episode any uh quotes or anything or specific moments we didn't cover sherry or do you feel like we covered this no, enough I- I just think Michaela's win was just epic. I when when she you know was fighting for that that challenge. I just think that girl is amazing at those challenges. I I just can't say enough about her. She is absolutely rocking those challenges and I I would love to meet that girl. She is so yes. amazing. I'm looking forward to all these people in some capacity. That's always cool to meet anyone, even if it's somebody I can't stand on the show. A couple of them turn out to be some of my, you know, favorite when I actually interact with them. But it's uh yeah, the biggest thing she's great at the survival component and the challenge component she's really good at. And generally socially, but I think there's been a few times where she's just so transparent and so direct. 
like Neil was alluding to, if she does get to the end, you know, somebody could be pretty agitated about something on day 15 or day 25 that if she makes it to day 39 that she could lose a jury vote or two because she's a little bit like a bull in a china shop. You know, they're, they're successfully knocking over a lot of stuff and tear it up, but, you know, you got to think about these people and their emotional reactions to that, and you got to do this in a certain way to, you know, make strong moves and making compelling argument while also, you know, that jury jury management is a real thing. So you got to know, you know, who you're working with. When she was telling Hannah, she was like, "I love Hannah. Shut up." You know, <laughs> she was just like, you know, she's very direct. You know. I mean, and she was doing it, and she, I think she even mentioned it. You know, I'm yelling at you because I want you to win. And, you know, she was doing most of the work. She was just having Hannah hold the other side of the table steady. Yep. And trying to get Hannah not to move it too much. And she was getting frustrated if if she did move it too much and she kind of started yelling at her and Probst mentioned something about it and she's like, I'm yelling at her because I want her to win. And then she said, you know, shut up. And then she, she said, I love him. And then she's like, you know, she... <laughs> She was kind of yelling at her a little bit, but she she literally basically won that entire thing all herself. She did that, mm-hmm. you know. Hannah basically was just holding the table on the other side steady and trying not to, you know, move it and not upset Michaela. <laughs> and Michaela rocked that herself. Yeah, she's rocking it. The yeah. biggest, like I said earlier with Neil, that surprised me though is if Hannah had that much excitement about not being in a challenge and to be that aggressive with her in the challenge, unless she's trying to break Hannah, I just didn't understand why the intensity. But I appreciate the intense person because if I was, if I make it out there, Sherry, um, I know I'm going to be one of the most intense, competitive people that have ever been out there, especially when Jeff raises one hand and drops the other one and we still got to start running somewhere or swimming somewhere. I know I'll be, be just like Michaela was and acting like a, a, a fool, but I got to hope in the back of my mind I remember talking about this on October 27th, 2016, that, you know, maybe you don't get that intense. You got to. You know, work with your environment. I could see you're talking like that to maybe one of the guys. I, I just don't know if Hannah is the most, the strongest person to deal with that kind of critique. Because I think she's going to be the person that will critique herself harder than anyone else would critique her. Well, you're probably right about that. Yeah, and I feel for Hannah. I think she's, I think she puts a lot on herself that she shouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. and. She's a little bit socially awkward, I think, you know, and or and I don't want to say so socially awkward. I think she just feels like she is. Yeah. And I don't think she is, but I think she feels like she is. And I think it's that microcosm of high school or survivor 
and you've got the Figgies and Michelles and the Taylors and the Jays, that Hannah not, might not be where she sits at at lunch or who she hangs out with in the hallway. So Right. She's, she's probably had some mean things said to her, you know, at times, and that's affected her. And, you know, those things stick with you. And being out there in such a a close environment where you can't get away from people like that, it's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel for anybody in that position. Um, but now Zeke, we can talk about Zeke a little bit. I'm not surprised at all that Zeke is sort of leaning toward the Gen Xers. Are you? No, he's the oldest. He's yeah. one of the older millennials, right? Or if not yeah. the oldest millennial. I, it makes, it makes sense the to cross connection. And I've always felt like he was he was more Gen X-like than any of the other millennials. Yeah, his aversion to YouTube or uh, Twitter was funny. He's like, I'm on Twitter, but I don't like it. And I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Well, just like Kenzie, yeah. isn't Ken the youngest? Isn't Ken the youngest uh, Gen Xer? So it's interesting how he can kind of, you know, cross. But he was. I thought his critiques of. Uh, well, the one thing we didn't mention with Neil here. Sorry if I'm you losing your train of thought. Was the. Uh, when they when they announced to Ken and Jessica that they were in a show match and the reaction to that, I'm like, where are these like, duh, like, who who didn't know that? Like, I found that <laughs> extremely extremely hilarious. Like, come on, really? I just found that humorous. But sorry, yeah. you were, were you on another train of thought? I kind of just no, that, that's there, no. So. But I think I'm it's, it's been to, really good. It's good Survivor, and I, I I like this season more than last season. I didn't like the divisiveness on, especially the Braun tribe. It was just not, you know, some of that's a little fun to watch at times, but just the, how heated and personal and a 6'11 basketball player helping knock over a little blonde girl. I, not what I, I want know. to see. I don't want to see people medically evacuated like Neil getting the staff, you know, getting bad infections and Aubrey and all these people in tie groin all cut up. And then poor Caleb. If Caleb wasn't as physically fit as he was, he ran himself into the ground, and we may have had our first survivor fatality in the United States. So I'm glad none of that happened, that they're not in Cambodia. Um, yeah. I like this season. I love the colors. They're my three favorite colors, too. So, that's I, I really like this season, too. And yeah. I agree with you. One thing that I will always be is against them putting anybody that is a professional athlete on Survivor or on The Amazing Race or on Big Brother or whatever. I just don't think it's fair. Um, like last year when, you know, they had a professional athlete on, on Survivor um, or when they had, um, oh, what do you call the basketball players that do all the tricks? 
Globetrotters. The Globetrotters, yeah. When they had the Globetrotters on The Amazing Race. You know, they're known worldwide. And so you have, you know, people that are known worldwide doing a show that goes around the world. They're going to get noticed in airports and get favoritism in airports where other teams aren't. I just don't think that's fair. And likewise with Survivor, you have a professional athlete who has trained for the majority of his life going up against average people, some who are tiny little women. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it's fair. Um, It makes it a different. It's definitely not fair. And, you know, they've, they've gotten advantages before. Uh, Just people like them better. They're more, they're just a more known entity. So, yeah, I've I've never really liked stunt casting either. Now, there's a few times where it's kind of cool where somebody like Jimmy Johnson is a huge fan of the show, too. So they didn't just say, like, oh, we're going to put a professional football coach on this. He actually liked it. And same thing with uh, Lisa Lisa Welchel from The Facts of Life. I mean, she seemed to have a genuine interest in it and, you know, wanted to do it. I mean, she's not a huge name by any means, but it was neat to see Blair, Blair out there. But that's different from an athlete. You know, I still don't really like it, but at least it's not an athlete. Um, Athletes just seem to have fans that, I don't know, their fans are oftentimes worldwide. And uh, to me, it's just a a difference. You know, and and the athleticism part of it, going in into challenges, you know, they can overtake women where Blair wasn't a, a big threat to anyone in challenges. Um, yeah, she was and we've one never had, even a, we've never had a female celebrity challenges. like that, so like a female athlete, right? I just think the closest unfair. was in Cook um, Island. There was almost a WNBA player that made it, but due to the twist, she she uh, she quit, and that's when they pulled in Sundra on Cook Islands. Hmm. So there's a little tidbit there. Yeah. If you didn't know, I don't know. I don't know who she was, but I found out from some uh, Cook Islands cast members that she was there, and then they pulled everyone in and talked about what the twist was going to be. And uh, somebody else got upset, and she did, and I think the other person was calmed down, but they had to pull her off at the last minute. That's just a a pet peeve of mine, to have the professional athletes on any of these shows. It's just one of my pet peeves. (laughs) Yeah, I I hear you. And and the worst part is it's, I don't like the term, you know, taking somebody's spot, but it, it is any kind of stunt casting or or recruitment is uh, it, it's challenging to encounter. Now, if the people that recruited me like me when I sit in my tape, I'll have a whole different opinion. But um, I understand where people get upset that they've tried out for a forever, then just miss Miss South Dakota or Miss uh, Rhode Island has a pretty face and a pretty body, and they say, hey, you want to come out and play Survivor? That would be a bunch of baloney, but 
You know, some of these people are just are interesting people that they encounter, like Shamar, who just had that famous YouTube video, and they they put him on the show. So just interesting, interesting routes people take to get in the show. But I would agree with you right. that I've never really been a huge fan of any of the professional athletes that have played. A lot of them are either evasive or just outright rude to people. So. Right. Well, if you're ready, we'll wrap tonight up and look forward to next Thursday. Okay. All I right. I we're good. I don't have anything else. All right. Well, I want to remind everybody uh, that I believe we're doing a show on Monday on Halloween with uh, Michelle Costa, Manic Mondays with Michelle Costa at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. I don't know who our guest is going to be for sure, but if it's who she was talking to, it's going to be a great show. So make sure you're there with us. It will be somebody from Big Brother 18, and you won't want to miss it. So, again, Michelle Costa on the Manic Monday show at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central this Monday. And then back here again on Thursday for Mike and the Mike with Big Mike Albright. We're going to wrap this one up with Ron, as we always do. Everybody have a great weekend. Here's Ron to take us out. Good night, everybody. God bless. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all of my listeners, thank you guys, and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. It's always a great one with Mike Albright. Mike, say good night and happy Halloween to everybody. Good night, everybody. Have a great Halloween. That's a wrap for us. Take care and happy Halloween, everyone. Be kind out there. <laughs>